Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours, and let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see, I will Welcome to the Text Talk Podcast. This episode is Acts chapter 10. Edwin, what's our text today? We're going to begin in verse 34, read through verse 43. I am reading from the English Standard Version. So, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Again, this is, week... I was, is this Peter's aha moment? <laughs> there you seems know, to be some aha going on. As, as, as we've been uh, speaking on the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about this vision that was uh, brought to him, the sheet with the uh, unclean animals on it, and he was asked to rise and kill and eat and all this, and he's never done anything like that. And, and what's the point? The point is that what God has called clean, you must not call unclean. And then the Holy Spirit tells him, I've sent these men for you. Go with these men. And he even gets to Cornelius's house. And as he's talking to him about the vision, he's able to say, look, I, I've learned I'm not supposed to call you common or unclean. So I've showed up. Why am I here? Even at that point, he did not grasp he was there to proclaim the gospel so that Gentiles could be saved. But then Cornelius tells him about his own angelic vision. And Peter finally gets it. Okay, I am supposed to teach about this gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, and yet, 
there even still seems to be something that's going to be holding them back. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow because the Holy Spirit is going to act in amazing ways to finally drive this home. Mm -hmm. But at this point, Peter is realizing there is no partiality among God. There's no partiality to the Jews. There's no partiality to the Gentiles. Anyone, anyone who fears him, who loves him, who loves his neighbor, anyone who is like that can become a part of the kingdom. Remember, remember where we started with Cornelius, right? He is a person who fears God. Yeah. Gives all to the people, mm -hmm. prays continually. Here's a person that loves God, loves his neighbor. And what Peter is finding out is that he's allowed to be a part of the kingdom. Right. He was not a Jewish man, and that was the difference. He was not seen then as uh, in by heritage as one of God's people. He had, while he recognized Yahweh, he had not converted to Judaism. He had not gone through those steps to proselytize. He's not a Christian yet either. Right. And so he needs a savior. What an incredible opportunity. Even as you were talking about that, I'm thinking about Peter uh, walking into this room full of people because Cornelius made sure that his household and friends were all gathered here to hear this word of God. It would be kind of a surreal experience to go with strangers to a house and it's full of people. Uh, and, and what do you preach? And what's remarkable to me in this sermon is that, to my mind, there's almost echoes of it, of, of a Stephen's sort of sermon, in that, instead of recounting all the history of Israel uh, to this Israeli, or Jewish audience, I should say, what does Peter do? He recounts the history of Jesus, the ministry and the work of Jesus, uh, to these people who were not largely of Jewish background. It's interesting to me that he says, you guys know about this. They they weren't in Jerusalem. They were in Caesarea. Yeah. This tells us something about the fame of Jesus, that Peter can be out of Jerusalem. He's not in Galilee. He's over in Caesarea. But he's he absolutely trusts that Cornelius had heard about Jesus. Well, and we need to remember that Jesus is not ancient history at this point. Jesus' own ministry wasn't that far removed, and he had been in Galilee and Judea and all over the place preaching. So, Well, that's true, but they didn't have Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> there was no TV broadcast. You know, they, they weren't, okay, Jesus. Jesus was preaching again, news at 10. So so for Jesus' fame to be not just in Judea and Galilee, but here in Caesarea, that shows how widespread his ministry and the testimony and the popularity of his ministry actually became. Peter believes that he can just say to Cornelius, you guys heard about Jesus. I know you know about him. Here's what he did. I'm one of his witnesses, and here's what actually happened. The Jews hung him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and he made him appear. Not to all people. Not to all yeah, people. That's a good point. But he made him appear to a set number of witnesses, and I'm one of those. And not only did he appear to me, I got to eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And now he's commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living, excuse me, of the living and of the dead. I, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but this is one of those places where it's interesting. We, we've mentioned this a couple times before, but in Luke and in Acts, the idea of the gospel is a little bit different from what we normally talk about. Normally, we talk about Jesus dying for our sins as the gospel, whereas in Luke and Acts, the gospel, the good news is that Jesus rose to be king. 
Right. Uh, there, there is some hint of that death for our sins. We see that in Luke when the Lord's Supper is established. Well, it is a true teaching, but you're talking about emphasis. Yeah, and it's all over the Bible. But in, in Luke Acts, in these, in these two books, what Luke focuses on is not the death for the sins, but the resurrection and ascension to the throne, the kingship. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he is the judge of the living and the dead. He is the king. He is the ruler. He is the sovereign that we are supposed to follow. And what Peter is finding out and what Cornelius and his family and his friends are benefiting from is that it's not king of the Jews. Mm -hmm. It's king of all king of all people we all can be a part of his kingdom we all can surrender and of course what comes with that that we know because of other passages is the the death for our sins i mean even here he does preach about that forgiveness of sins comes through his name we receive forgiveness through his name and cornelius needed that we we actually talked earlier in the week about as such a good man as he was he still needed forgiveness. Yeah, he needed a savior. And forgiveness comes through Jesus, and it comes in no other place. When we talk about this message, and I perceive that God shows no partiality in verse 34, there is application for people of all time. And it's something that we need to understand as well, that uh, before God, we are precious souls. We are made in the image of God. That's part of the dignity of human beings and human life. But you go back to where it begins in the book of Genesis. Made in the image of God. And uh, we sometimes fall down with that. I'll just say that uh, we don't put a proper value on life and human dignity as a culture, as a society, as we should. Uh, also, sometimes we fall down and thinking, well, that there is some partiality. I know I'm better than so-and-so, or so-and-so thinks they're better than I am. And in before eyes God, before God's eyes, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we all have access to the Savior. We all have access to it. You know, the interesting thing here is we looked at Cornelius at the beginning of the chapter, and we recognize what a good fellow he is. We recognize that he feared God, that he did what was acceptable to God, but he still did, he did what pleased God, but he still wasn't saved. He had to be in Jesus Christ. I think that comments a little bit on verse 35, where he says, In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. It's not saying that as long as you just have some fear of God and you do right things, you are automatically saved. Uh, we, we get back to that idea that, that some folks think that because they are good enough. Like because, a Cornelius like at the beginning Cornelius, of the chapter. Because yeah. they are good They're enough. Good uh, but what he's saying is that folks who fear God, who do what's pleasing to him, we, have, we can enter Jesus Christ. But, but if we want salvation, that's where we have to be. It is not enough simply to have a, a kind of fear of God. It is not enough to simply do some things that are pleasing to God. We must enter Jesus Christ. And whether we're Gentiles or Jews, whether we're Russians or Africans or Mexicans or Canadians or Americans, what, no matter the color of our skin, no matter our gender, if we fear God and surrender to him, responding to the gospel message, entering Jesus Christ. There is no partiality. God does not look at us and say, not you. I don't save blank. 
Right. Okay. I, I don't save people of that skin color. I don't save people from that country. I don't save people who speak that language. I don't save people unless they have so much money. God doesn't say any of that. Mm-mm. God takes anyone among them that says, you know what? I'm going to surrender to Jesus and he'll save them. Amen. And then his church should be a place of people who understand we are redeemed in Christ and this family is one in Christ. As you were talking about that, I was reminded of the passage in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, where the Apostle Paul writes to Christians, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And my hope is that as a people understanding that we are equally redeemed in Christ, precious in Christ, we are one in Christ, that the church is a place where you find no partiality. The one thing that we need to make sure we understand on this, though, is that what he does not say is no matter how you ever decide to live, no matter whether you surrender to Jesus or not, I'm going to save you. I I think the one mistake that folks can make is you have to be a certain kind of person to get the salvation from Jesus. But the opposite mistake is that, oh, salvation is in Jesus, so it does not matter how I live. It does not matter how I respond. This is about surrendering to King Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can't be mm-hmm. a part of a kingdom that I refuse to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I, I can't have a Lord that I refuse to follow as Lord. And so we're, we're back to that place that some folks want a savior, but they don't want a Lord. I, I have to take him as both or I get neither. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if I am, God is not partial. We should say that God is not partial. If I will confess Jesus as Lord, if I will let him be Lord and I will listen to him and I will follow him. Yes, I'm going to fail at times. I understand that. But if he is my Lord, God lets me have him as Lord. If I am my Lord, but I want to just give some mental assent to Jesus and say, yeah, I believe in him, but I'm still going to govern my own life. That I'm not, I'm not one of the saved, but that's not a matter of partiality because God's like that for everybody. Yeah. He's not saying, well, it's okay. You're this race. You're this skin color. You have this much money. So if you ignore what Jesus said, I'll save you. He's, he's impartial that way also. How about we wrap up with a prayer here? Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us. Thank you that we could read in our scripture from Acts chapter 10. It's a powerful thing that in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality as Peter preached. And we are humbled by that because we know that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, Father, your love has sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for us. Yes, he died for our sins, but he arose. And in the resurrection and his ascension, we see his kingship, his lordship. And Father, we humble ourselves before you. Help us to walk in obedience that he is Lord, he is Savior, and that you be glorified above all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.